You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to talk to you about the Christmas Initiative, and with me, as he is, every single episode, the one and only... John Mills. John, how are you feeling this festive holiday season? Well, I guess I'm feeling very IP friendly and low budget, but in a high budget sort of way, Christmas specially sort of mood, Matt. Excellent. I mean, it sounds great. One set, except for the real locations, something low impact, something you can film in a day or two, knock it out quick. And then use some music that everybody loves. What what could, you know. There you go. Honestly, I've, it's a production miracle in and of itself in this season of miracles. <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, but before we get there, of course, as you know, find the show anywhere and subscribe wherever you're listening. Of course, that means you get all the episodes as soon as they drop. Uh, you can do us a favor and share us out on social media and follow us. We're at the 602 Club on X and at the 602 Club TFM over on Instagram. Uh, you'll find us as well over on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekfm with the entire network. And you can also join the Babel Conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group on Facebook and talk to listeners from all over the world. And if you do like what we do, you can go to Patreon at patreon.com slash trekfm and become part of the team and make sure everything we're doing keeps coming to you. So... John, um, the uh, so this is our second Marvel special presentation. Nice. Uh, as we're recording this, we actually know that they will not be doing any more Marvel special presentations uh, as they have decided um, because I think really of the uh, not so successful run of phase four. And into phase five, that too much has been coming out. Mm. Um, and so before we even, I, I think, get into, you know, the 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 actual uh, holiday special itself. With knowing that and, and with, you know, your response to the first uh, presentation that they did and just with this now in your mind. Is that something where you think they're making maybe possibly a mistake or do you think it's a good idea to let go of something, you know, like these special presentations and really just find, you know, focus on whatever it is you're trying to build? No, it's it's a company board learning the wrong lessons all over again, because the problem isn't stuff like the holiday special. That's exactly what they should be doing. The, the problem is taking things that should be movies and turning them into series. Yeah, how many things have we watched where it's like, oh, you know, as a two-hour movie, this probably would have worked okay. But as a six to eight episode thing, it sucks. And oh, okay, not sucks. I won't say sucks, but y- you know what I'm saying. Like it's it's not well, a successful. I mean, some of them do, and some of them don't. Yeah, and some of them are mediocre, and yeah. So I mean, it's kind of all over the place. And that's what floods the market. But something like this, this would be perfect for wetting people's appetite and just sort of like you know 
chumming the waters and getting them excited for the next thing. If you time this right, you have a special like this every so often. It gets people onto the, the service. It makes people want to be on Disney+. Plus, and it retains the excitement for the in-theater product that you're looking forward to. And so, no, I, I think it's completely the wrong lesson. The only lesson they should have come away with in Phase 4 was don't turn everything into a series. Make the movies, then make the money, and then have a one shot like this that is dropped in there, you know, once every six, you know, three months, six months, four, whatever, plan it out, right? It all works fine. You get a werewolf by night in there every so often. You get a holiday special in there. That would have worked great for me because the the stuff that fell apart as a series that would have been a good movie, I'm on board for it. Then I'm still looking forward to something. So that's my take on it, at least. I mean, the movies haven't exactly been top-notch yeah. in Phase 4, but... Yeah. You know, I think it's such an interesting question, um, and not because I asked it, but but really just because, you know, I can, I can see uh, the arguments from both sides as to, to, to why you might feel one way or the other, uh, why... You know, um, the studio might just think, oh, you know, maybe we should just start making less or um, but what I really do uh, gravitate towards is what you said, um, which is is really that these are the types of things, these 30, 45 minute, you know, maybe 50 minute uh, specials are good ways of utilizing the Disney Plus app. Uh, as well as kind of like you said, just wetting the appetite for what's going to come next, and, and in many ways too, you know, this is something that actually set up uh, what was to come, right? You know, this this sets up Guardians of the Galaxy three. Um, there's there's a lot here. There's a lot here that uh, you know they don't have to you know go and figure out um, in the film because they've already done it here. And so, you know, I, I find that to just be really an interesting thing. And I do, I, I do really see what you're saying too. It's like, it, it does feel like you're almost learning the, the long, the wrong lesson, you know? Um, and, uh, and so uh, it does it it does kind of make me wonder though like what were the you know the the streaming numbers behind these were they just so low that you know it wasn't it wasn't worth the budget regardless of what it was so i again these are all things to which we don't actually really have any idea of because they don't share this kind of information with us there's no transparency in these numbers right uh and so um you know i i think that it is kind of sad, though, that we wouldn't get more of this kind of thing, um, because I, I, you know, I found, you know, not to spoil it uh, before we even get there, but you know, I found both of these to be fun romps, you know, and again, it's the kind of thing that you can easily watch quickly, um, and doing something like this, you know, I mean, people tend to return to you know holiday themed things every year right you know you you turn yep. on your favorite holiday i mean there are still shows where i watch my favorite holiday episode from that show 
regardless of, of I'm doing a rewatch. You know, I just turn on mm-hmm. that episode because it, you know, it, so that's where, you know, I think, yeah, you're, you're kind of, you are kind of missing out. Well, you know, this thing is the definition of nostalgia because the, the, the very opening with the Marvel special presentation thing is very reminiscent of what I used to love. Like everybody loved like the CBS special presentation opening and the, you know, and the ABC said, but the CBS one, that was like, that was the gold standard of it. Like you got excited when that came on TV and James Gunn knows what he's doing. He's really having fun with it. And the fact that it plays like the old variety show, Christmas specials that would be repeated for 10 to 15 years where you'd be watching it and you're a kid. And like, I was a kid, I saw plenty of these things where it was like, those clothes haven't been in fashion for a long time, but they would just play the hell out of them every year. And they became a tradition in and of themselves. Cause like, it just represented that, you know, okay, we're in this season. And, you know, I mean, basically this is, this is a variety show. Cause you have some musical acts with it worked into the story you have a guest star that's, you know, of of repute. And then you have in this weird fourth wall walk back, you know, because Kevin Bacon is real and Chris Pratt is real. But in this context, Kevin Bacon is is real, but Chris Pratt is Star-Lord. So, like, it's this weird sort of thing where it really breaks down the artifice of it. And you're like, yeah, we're all just having fun. What the heck? Well, and I mean, let's not forget that Drax's, you know, was it family or somebody was murdered by uh, our parents? Uh, his or his Go- nephew was, was murdered by, by Gobot. Gobot. Yes. Yeah, which, exactly. So, you know. Which is terrific in and of itself because uh, I think Marvel published the Transformers comic. I don't know who published the Gobots comic. Uh, 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 you know. I'm racking my brain. I don't think Marvel also did the GoBots comic, but obviously they. Uh, well, either way, I'll tell you what, kids. Most people don't remember GoBots, but I do because that was. Oh, I do. I had some. Well, that was the uh, you know my, you know my Grammy went into Dwayne Reed, and when I went up, you know at, during you know Christmas time, she knew I loved Transformers, and here was a thing that transformed. So here's Cop Tour. And it's like, oh, thanks, Grammy. And your dad's sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She thinks this is the right thing. You're like, okay, thank you. This is great. Um, but, you know, I, I do have an affection for GoBots. But, that I mean, that's what it is. Like, it's that whole thing. It's that whole mix of, like, variety show plus cheesy location comedy plus guest star in a skit. This has all the trappings of... I'll go ahead and say it. This is exactly what they thought they were going to get away with, with the star Wars holiday special, which of course legendarily goes horribly wrong. And, but I look at this, you have a cartoon segment, you have variety acts you have, because if you go back to the star Wars holiday special, they're following the same template. And so it's like, Guardians of the Galaxy is the is the the alternate universe, the multiverse version of the Star Wars holiday special that was actually good that people wanted to watch again. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's yeah, an affection I mean, point and, there and, too. And the only lost thing is that you know we don't have Itchy's special helmet. But no, um, no that's so, not a loss. 
I wish that thing had never been invented. I never, I don't know. So I do have a question uh, about this because, you know, we start off this series, uh, we start off the the special with uh, a Rankin Bass uh, inspired animation portion. And as much as I appreciated that, I personally wish that they had used like the claymation stop motion instead, because mm. I think it's it's more recognizable mm. f- for those people as the Christmas special than the Rankin Bass type of uh, animation. Well, I th- th- I'll give you. I mean, Rankin Bass did the the claymation stuff, and I think that that's a fair point, especially because the gifts at the end that they open that look like the little clay figures that would have tied nicely exactly. in. I agree with you, and they could have done that with uh with cg easily enough they didn't need to actually stop motion animate anything i'll i'll give you that but the heart of it and yandu is easily by the general public not by fans but by the general public the most overlooked character in the mcu in this sense that yandu is a great example of how people are complex and bad people can have good hearts and good people can have bad hearts and that sort of thing. And I love the little bookends showing we we know, and the holiday special here keeps in tune with it, that Yondu was very much a product of his own life and his own failings and all of those sorts of things. But at his core, he actually did love Peter. He just didn't, you know, like a flawed person, he didn't know how to express it. And it was weird to him and it was confusing and he didn't know what to do. But when he had those moments alone, he would let his guard down. And that's a very relatable thing. And so while I I, I concede your point, I think that the little story that's told just with those brief animation segments is so perfect and and gets to that core of things. I mean, I... I honestly could not agree with you more. Like I, I 100% agree with you with the the reason that it's there, right? Um, and I think you know the beauty of this is that it comes off of you know what we saw in uh, Guardians Two and the relationship between those two, uh, and of course the loss of that character, um, and then of course the loss of of uh, Gamora. Now that's happened with uh, you know everything with and. End game and all that jazz and so it's like these two losses in in peter's life massive losses right and so i think that animated sequence uh as the bookend is is fantastic and uh, it really adds to the story which you know i think i think it's also really interesting here too and and one of the fun things really about the the i think the story just for this is is the way in which you know this this really does bring together so many little tiny threads from mm-hmm. the Guardians films uh, and even, you know, the things that we've had done uh, in in the Avengers movies where they've they've uh, been in them. And, you know, I I think that the storyline makes this feel uh, so plausible because, you know, the choice of using uh, Mantis and Drax 
who want to do something good and yet have no understanding of human sensibility uh, completely screw it all up. Right. You know, and to me, that that's the, the part of this that I just I, I think Gunn, of course, he knows these characters. He knows the world he's created with the Guardians. And I think he creates uh, kind of the perfect story to make this m- make sense for the world that he's created with them. Well, I, I, I agree with, with what you're saying, but I think that the core element here is Pratt because I think that Gunn has a vision. Gunn knows what he's doing. The whole cast knows what Gunn needs from them. So he's an effective director because he clearly communicates to everybody. Everybody knows what their job is. That's the job of a director. Make sure those actors know what their job is, not just hitting the mark, but what emotion they need to convey, all of those sorts of things. But Pratt is so elemental to this specific thing working because when he's off screen, he's missed. The If there is a flaw, it's that we spend a little too much time with Mantis and Drax on Earth. I, yeah, I don't see that. think that the humor they're going for is as humorous as they'd hoped when they first start looking for Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I think that's a great, I mean, that is a great point, I think, because, and, and I think one of the faults there, and, and and I was reading behind the scenes stuff that Gunn wanted to, to be able to kind of put them to the forefront because he felt like in places they had kind of been shoved to the side a little bit. I do think what this seems to prove to me is that those two characters are meant to be side players and not main characters. Because, you know, I think by putting them to the forefront, you're also, and I'm guessing too, a lot of this probably has to do with who's available, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you could get into all that. But, you know, I mean... It's hard because a character like and 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 an actress like uh, Karen Gillan, who is so good, um, and I know you haven't seen Guardians three, but she's fantastic in that too. So it's like I really do feel as though by putting these two characters at the forefront, as you mentioned. Not only are you missing Peter, but I think you're missing the other characters like Rocket and stuff like that that kind of bring that. In some ways, it's not just the humor, but they, strangely enough, you know, Rocket actually helped bring in a lot of emotional resonance, you know. Rocket's Um, Rocket's the cynic and the audience needs the cynic with them. And, And to your point, Drax and Mantis, they are zanier characters. They're sillier characters, which is not a knock against them by any stretch. Right. But you need to root characters like that with uh, the old term going back to vaudeville. The straight man needs to be there where you have Abbott and Costello only work because one person is the stick in the mud, serious sardonic person to play against the zanier person. And, when you have the zanier people, it works for brief periods of time. 
So if you had gotten to Kevin Bacon faster, then it's funnier. And that's, I think, you know, since the point of this is to be fun and lighthearted, I think that's the sort of thing. And unfortunately, that that is a thing that's difficult with comedy is finding exactly how long it needs to be. The comedy is supposed to be fast, and it's just not fast enough with them. Again, it's not even me blaming, uh, uh, you know, the 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 actor, the actress for what they're doing. It's this is fixed in the writing or even the editing phase where you're like, you know, we can tighten this up. Um, I want to get your thoughts though on Kevin Bacon. Like, was Kevin Bacon the right superstar for them to go get? For this, or was there another 80s icon? I'm not saying there was. I'm asking, do you think Kevin Bacon was the right fit for this special? I mean, the only one that I think that they might have gone with outside of him would have been like David Hasselhoff. And so, and we've seen David Hasselhoff, I feel like, in a stinger or something. Um, well, or he did that they, song from Guardians song, too. You know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I think Kevin Bacon worked fine. I mean, uh, I think he was. I agree. I, I mean, I, I was legitimately just kicking yeah. the question off to you. Yeah, I, I I don't think there was anything. Uh, you know, if there if there's anything there, um, you know, I think that you know when he says to his wife, and I love Kira Sedgwick actually is a is a voice cameo. Um, so when she calls, yep. but. I think, you know, he says, I, I need to teach them about the meaning of Christmas. And, you know, I don't think that they're going to do Charlie Brown Christmas, right? But yeah. I feel like there's a better way uh, to tell everybody on Nowhere about the meaning of Christmas than singing a song that's that's not very good. Um, it's It's a really not great song to explain the meaning of Christmas, you know? And so I think that's the only, maybe that's one of my main criticisms here. Uh, It's, it's not Kevin Bacon. It's, it's the way they have him kind of teach about Christmas uh, with the song they have him sing, which just doesn't seem to really fit the true meaning of Christmas in any way, shape or form in a way that's as visceral and, really understandable as some of our most popular Christmas songs See, that really seem to kind of bring that home. This is where we'll differ in this sense. Uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but with something like a variety special like this, I plug in very much to the idea that you go for the broadest audience possible. If you go back to those old broad holiday specials, I think the song's catchy enough. Kevin Bacon, I actually, um, at one point in the past, had the pleasure of seeing the Bacon Brothers perform live. I've actually seen them in concert. So Kevin Bacon is a legit musician uh, on top of being an accomplished actor. So, you know, kudos to him and his brother. Uh, I, the song's catchy. It's forgettable. I mean, like I, the only problem with the song is, like, when you're doing a song for a Christmas special, you're expecting 
unfairly, I underline that word, unfairly expecting a new classic. And what happens is Kevin... Or at least a good, like... Well, Kevin... The interpretation of a classic. Kevin Bacon is upstaged by the very funny first song in the special where Quill (laughs) is listening to the aliens play and we get those great moments of Chris Pratt going, well, no, no, he doesn't have a flamethrower. You know, like he's sitting there bewildered while that song is going on, but that song's incredibly catchy and it's funny because these aliens don't understand what Christmas is about and they misinterpret how Santa punishes bad children and everything. You know, it's like, I, I think, I, I think the song that Kevin Bacon does is fine. I just think he gets upstaged by the funnier experience of the first song. Yeah. Well, and, and again, like uh, I, they're not going to go religious, right? And and so that's not what I'm asking for. But I mean, even just I feel like, you know, some of our best, most classic Christmas songs kind of get at a sense of what, you know, people think of as the true meaning of Christmas, you know, family, togetherness, you know, yes. all of that kind of stuff. And and this song just, what I'm saying is, is I don't think it's, it's just not a great song. And it's like you want, I feel like, and this is the, the other thing, as you're doing this special, you know, Gun is usually so great at picking music, but this is one of those places where it's just like, I mean, and maybe this is a Kevin Bacon original. I don't know. It could possibly be, and I haven't looked it up to to check. So that could also be a part of this. But I would just almost rather, like with the Christmas Chronicles, you know, in the prison where they do the song and they really let him just kind of give kurt russell give his own take on the song and it makes it his by the way he sings it i would almost rather that than this where it's just like the song is kind of a letdown because it's the big moment where it is bringing everybody together and it just it doesn't do that musically right and and, and like i said uh, the song's fine it's forgettable and it's upstaged in its own special so i i completely get what you're saying um I think that it's just – it's difficult at this point in time to make that t- kind of song now. The, the the market's just too crowded with absolutely stunningly classic, even modern s- classics for Christmas music. And, you know, to your point, I probably would have gotten more of a kick out of Kevin Bacon doing a performance of the Kinks' uh, Father Christmas. That would have been funny. Um, but that actually ties into one thing that I think is sort of a, a letdown with the series, because since we are leaning so heavily into the nostalgic bend, you know, let me ask you what I'm left with the feeling of is I should have seen some hint of Santa Claus in the background, because that was always a staple of these sorts of things where, you heard the ho, 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 or you heard the sleigh bells and somebody turned around and there was another little perfect gift sitting there sort of thing where they would always play with that. The idea of Santa Claus showing up because it was a holiday special. Do you think they missed the mark with that? Or do you think the, like, I'm, I'm just going too sentimentalist with that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's an interesting thought because I hadn't thought of that because I was actually really impressed with the special having the nativity scene that Drax and, and Mantis are kind of looking at. And they just, of course, they don't understand it. So they just have this quizzical look on their face. Um, and so I appreciated that was even in there because so many times these type of specials just forget that Christmas is actually a holiday, a, you know, based around a religious birthday right like that's that's why we celebrate in the first place um yeah and i think um that the the i i would have loved actually the idea of, of possibly having you know that in there i think that would have been really fun uh and um yeah i would have enjoyed actually really enjoyed that um, the, some some sort of a little like taste of Santa somewhere, you know. So yeah, I. Uh, but you know, overall, I mean, it's like what is what is fascinating about it is this is in a lot of ways the definition of uh, like I'm looking for the right phrase, but part of it is I guess you could say like narrative fast food in terms of like a a connect. Uh, you know, continuity or something like that. There is absolutely nothing necessary about this. There's nothing that is like, oh, you won't get the MCU without it, or this isn't like a winter soldier sort of thing. But at the same time, it's really, it's disposable, but really well-made disposable. Because this is my second time watching it, and I'm like, you know, I, I did like this. Like, I was terrified that I was going to watch this and be like, oh, like this the first time I watched it. And I didn't really like it this time, right? Like, I was terrified it was going to go that way, and it didn't. And to me, while this isn't a new classic, this is something I could very easily have on in the background while I, you know, I'm wrapping presents or something like that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you know. I could have that on in the background and yeah. watch it. I think that's that's really so. Rewatching this a second time myself, it was interesting to me that I I, I had a slightly better reaction to it um, than I did the first time, but it didn't really change where I would go with my star ratings. Um, I guess to give that away um, and. And I do think because there is, when it comes to a holiday type special or a holiday movie or whatever, there's that almost ineffable thing that happens during the ones that become classics. You almost can't even explain. Mm -hmm. And, but it's just there. And it's like, you know it when you see it. And, and in all honesty, it's more, you know it when you feel it. Yeah. And I think that this is just one of those where I don't quite get that feeling that I do with my favorite holiday films or specials that I would need for this to be an instant classic, which I guess leads to a great question, which is, can you think of something that would allow this to have that to happen? Would the music need to be more punchy or something? Would would there need to be something about the story? What is it do you think that's making it miss that 
Christmas feeling that just like enlivens your heart to the way like the way we both responded to the Christmas Chronicles. Honestly. And, and, and this is where it's weird because obviously I like this thing. You know, I gave it away, you know, but what I think would have made this work more is not doing the Kevin Bacon thing and having something wherein Peter had and, you know, constructed how you will, but Peter's trying to rescue Mantis because Mantis is doing something dumb and he finds out she's doing something dumb because she wants to find the right way. She wants to get him a gift because she knows about Christmas. She's not human, but she wants to celebrate that and tell him at the same time that she's his sister. And then the re- the the other half of the special is the rest of the crew getting to him. And then at the end, you know, her saying something like, oh, you know, I, you know, neither one of us really have a family. And then like look around at everybody and Quill say, you know, I have a family and it's you all. And this is the only family I would have ever wanted. And then you could still have the Yondu bookends and you realize that we all come from families that have their flaws and their shortcomings. And then we find our new family while retaining what, you know, what might've been special from where we came from. Right. So where, you know, basically that's a really long witted way to say that the only way to make this a more meaningful Christmas classic is to get away from the very thing that it was constructed to be, which is a charming throwback to the variety show Christmas special. Yeah, I think I agree with that because I think the most poignant moment of the whole thing is when, you know, Mantis and Mm -hmm. Star-Lord have their conversation at the end. And, you know, it's, it's great. It's perfectly played. I think, yeah. Yep. And there's just not enough of that, I think, in the special. So I I agree with you. Um, We talked about the Kevin Bacon song, but I, I have to say... Again, Gunn usually chooses music that I think is great, but I didn't understand any of the music choices in here oh, because none of the songs are uh, – well, again, you can tell me in a second, but I think it's like the music that Quill would have known from his mother, any of the Christmas music would have been music from like, you know, the classics to the stuff you heard in like the 70s. So I didn't under I didn't get it, and it didn't work for me. It was all trash. Okay, calling "Fairy Tale of New York" by the Pogues trash is just flat out heresy. That's nonsense. That is like that. That actually makes me angry that somebody would call okay. that song trash because it I is just not. Didn't trash. get any of it. I have never heard any of them either. So it didn't it it meant nothing to me. That that melts my heart. That makes me sad for you because there are I like the the music was great because this is the type of thing where this is the this is in line with the type of music. This is the the music tastes that Peter Quill would have had because of his mom. Hands down, easy. And uh you know, okay, it didn't work for you. I hear you like music's tricky 
you know, it's like me trying to convince you that I just had a great steak, but you didn't like the way that it was cooked. So you're like, yeah, I don't think the steak was that great. I'm like, are you crazy? This is the best steak I've ever had. Okay. Like it, it sort of gets to that taste thing. So it's sort of like an unwin, like I don't really have a desire to like argue you into enjoying it more sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's just cause I like the songs that he chose, but I like the songs that he chose. So, well, and I think that obviously, you know, it's, it comes down to, to that. I mean, you, you like it. And, uh, you know, again, it's not anything, um, really that, uh, I've, I've heard. Uh, and so, um, so wait a yeah, minute. You, you, I, you don't know Christmas rapping by the waitresses. That's like one of the greatest Christmas songs in history. Yeah, no. Oh, come on. Oh, God. Yeah. And I, <laughs> just, I, I, I want I, an I alien would, for Christmas. Yeah. That's Nope. Really? Yeah. Why would I have known any of that? Even the Smashing Pumpkins Christmas time is great. Ah. Mm. Uh. No, don't you don't you do it. again? I no, I just don't on. think, and and I I would completely disagree with you. And, and obviously, Gunn would disagree with me too, but that's fine. Uh, I just you know this doesn't seem like music that Peter Quill would even know. Because uh, oh no, he was gone Ab- by the time Cr- most of this music was out. No, I mean he wouldn't know the Smashing Pumpkins. Who? Well, he gets the Zune in Volume Two. Very, you know, thank you very much. But like Christmas wrapping, yeah, Christmas, Christmas rap, Christmas wrapping. That's like a classic '80s song. Like that is an absolute stone cold classic eighties song. As it, I mean, I'm as sure people are four, just yelling at me. It's I, fine, but I just, you know, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got nothing, man. I got nothing, man. Because like, you know, Dead by Xmas is a 1982 song, right? Like, yeah, Christmas wrapping. I'm pretty sure was like 82 as well, uh, sort of thing. Um, or maybe it was yeah, I think it was 82. But they reference 1981 in it. So, like, all this stuff is right in that. I mean, okay. I, you know. I. Yeah. But, see, the thing is, the thing is, it's one thing to say it doesn't work for you in the context of the special. But to, like, poop on Fairy Tale of New York or, or Christmas rapping. Like, those are two songs where it's not Christmas season until I hear them. Sort of thing. Like, I treasure them and I, mean, I hold on to them. I've never heard of them. So, you know. I mean, but I'm a very classic person when it comes that, to Christmas. That abs- but that that blows my mind because it's like, I, I don't know how you've made it this far without hearing them. Like, I, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you know, running across somebody that's like, oh, I haven't seen Star Wars. It's like, well, I guess those people exist, but <laughs> sure. Okay. So yeah, I'm not, happens. I'm not passing a value judgment on you. No, I understand. You know? I, and I'm not feeling attacked or anything. Like I. I, well, then I I'm get doing it wrong. where you're coming from in the sense that like you're just like I can't believe somebody doesn't know what this is, you know, and I I you know, I've been there before too and and so that makes sense to me. I just it you know, just it wasn't Do me a favor, before. do me a fra- favor, promise me. Promise me that after we're done recording, you just go over to Spotify and you stream just two songs, Christmas rapping and fairy tale of New York, just those two, and just listen to them beginning to finish. That's it. That's all I'm asking you to do. And maybe the Grinch's heart will grow three sizes that day. I don't know. It's possible. I mean, you know, 
I, my heart when it comes to Christmas is pretty big. You know, I, I love, you know, my, my Christmas playlist is, is very long because I enjoy a lot of Christmas music. It is, you know, I, like I said, well, I'm very, I would also, I would Christmas. also recommend, I think the compilation came out in the 1990s listening to uh, a soul Christmas. That's very good. It's got some Booker T and the MGs on there doing stuff. Otis Redding stuff. So I mean, Otis Redding. Ah. Yeah, there, I mean, there, his there White Christmas is fantastic. There so. you go. There you go. It's on there. Yeah. So Christmas well, wrapping just as good. So <laughs> Christmas music uh, argument aside, um, I guess they, where what would you rate uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Ah, it's a solid three and a half. Same thing I gave it before. And the fact that it didn't fall is a huge plus in its favor. Uh, I, I still think the, the Drax and Mantis stuff too much time on it. Joke takes too long, too long to get to the punchline, but made up for by a legitimately heartfelt moment with Quill and Mantis. Really funny opening. And uh, I, I think that the moment where Chris Pratt's face falls from sheer childlike joy to dawning horror as he realizes there is a person in a box in front of him is in a like there are phrases people throw around where they're like oh screen presence oh you know they know how to convey emotion he does it you see you actually see his brain working going from just, oh, this is the most special moment, and oh, no, there's there's a person in a box. And then, like, his reaction afterward, where he's like, this isn't a present, this is human trafficking. Like, <laughs> it's a great moment. And it's like, that in and of itself it is, is great. makes it worth the watch. So, three and a half stars for me. What about you? I'm in the same place, man. Uh, it's, it's three and a half. I mean, it's good. It's solid. It's fun. You know, it, it's definitely not something that's made the rotation for every holiday. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's it's enjoyable. And that's really all you could ask for from this. And I think, honestly, Gunn does a pretty good job of subtly working in things that'll help you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy 3 without pounding you over the head with it, right? Um, I, I think that's great. And so, uh, and, and a real testament to the way he works, right? It just feels so natural that everything's happening here. And you're not thinking, oh, but this connects to this and this and this. It just feels like, oh, this is the story, you know? And and honestly, I, the MCU could learn something from that. And, you know, maybe that means there's some kind of hope for the DC universe. Who knows with that sensibility? Uh, but that's a whole other podcast. John, what are your rankings now for the MCU? Now, I want to be very clear that there is an unfairness factor here with where Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is going to end up. I'm going to be very clear about that. Because it's 45 minutes, it makes it very snackable. And because it's very snackable, it winds up artificially inflating its placement in the list. Because of the fact that it is something where 
I might not be in the mood for a two and a half hour movie with six stingers and all that stuff, no matter how good it is. I might not be in the mood for it, but if it's the right season and I'm like, yeah, it's got uh, it's 45 minutes and I don't have to pay the closest attention to it, it's going to artificially inflate it. So try not to hate be- hate me, everybody, because, you know, it is what it is. So, and again, prefacing everything with the fact that naturally the list uh, doesn't include what if because it's not on Letterboxd and I forget where I put it. So, you know, I can live with that. All right. So, all that preamble done. Sorry. Sorry, everybody, for the preamble. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Ant-Man, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Iron Man, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, Loki, Civil War, First Avenger, Miss Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Incredible Hulk, Avengers Infinity War, Thor, Doctor Strange, The the Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Far From Home, Thor, The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Wakanda Forever, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Age of Ultron, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Thor Love and Thunder, and Eternals. That's my list. Well, for me, it is Captain America Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, No Way Home, Endgame, Civil War, The First Avenger, Black Panther, Guardians 2, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, What If, Doctor Strange, Shang-Chi, The Incredible Hulk, Werewolf by Night, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Multiverse of Madness, Homecoming, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Loki, Avengers, Miss Marvel, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, Far From Home, Infinity War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Howard the Duck, Wakanda Forever, Moon Knight, Black Widow, Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, Ragnarok, Love and Thunder, and of course, Eternals. There you go. (sighs) Well, you know, folks, uh, we don't know uh, if we'll be back. Uh, We're not sure. Um, It's been quite a long road for us to actually just get here. Uh, Yes. It's honestly been, you know, rough. And so maybe we'll see. But uh, if you have any thoughts or you'd like us to come back, catch up with us. And John, if people wanted to catch up with you, where would they find you? Look for me online as Kessel Junkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. And you can find me on the Nerd Party Network, co-hosting two shows. The first is called House Lights, where we look at the work of directors through different lenses. Get what I did there. And I co-host that with Tristan Riddell and Darren Moser. And you can find me over there as well, co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with one Mr. Matthew Rushing. And you can find me all over the place on social media under the name Matt Rushing02. You can also find me here on the network outside the 602 Club with Literary Treks, Warp 5, Artificial Tango, The Orb, and Saddle Up. And then over on the Nerd Party Network. When I wasn't doing aggressive negotiations, you can find me on Owl Post with Drea Kaufman as we talk about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But thank you so much for joining us. Christmas trees, assemble. <laughs>